Good morning and welcome to episode 7 of the Quickie Podcast. Today's guest is Jeremy Friend from Jeremy Friend Design in Pennsylvania. Jeremy is a veteran and also a very skilled graphic designer who specializes in hand lettering. He has worked with such clients like Coach, YouTube, Entertainment Weekly, and more. I really enjoyed chatting with him. He's a really cool cat. I think we connected because we both have a secret love for Lady Gaga. Yep. Let's go. Welcome to the Quickie Podcast, the daily interview show where we talk to graphic designers about their journey to the creative field, and we do it in 30 minutes or less. So, are you ready for a Quickie? This is Jeremy Friend, who's a freelance graphic designer, and you're out of York, Pennsylvania, right? Yes. Yep. Beautiful. Enjoying a snow day like myself. Yeah. Yeah. Got both kids here. They're gaming in the background. <laughs> I'm at the desk, my messy desk. Hey. You know, sketching stuff out like usual. Dads, this is how we do it, man. <laughs> Every day. Cool. So, hey, uh, Jeremy, you ready for a quickie here? Yeah, yeah. Awesome. Briefly tell the listeners about yourself. Uh, I'm Jeremy. I am a graphic designer. Um, I was born and raised here in Pennsylvania, uh, actually born in Lebanon, Pennsylvania. No one knows where that is unless you're actually from there. Um, but, uh, I, I, uh, am a veteran. Um, I like to, I like to tell people this backstory because I came from a family that didn't really have a lot of money. So, um, I always knew I wanted to go to art school. Yeah. Um, and and do something with my art because I used to watch my dad draw things like these beautiful Dungeons and Dragons scenes uh, all in pencil on these really large sketchbooks. Um, I got to watch him play drums in his bands down in the basement. Um, so uh, I just knew I, I was going to be doing something creative. I just didn't know how I was going to get into that. So I ended up joining the military. Um, I joined the Marines right out of high school Nice. and served four years combat infantry and then after, after the Marines, I guess I wasn't done. Um, I joined the Army for another four years uh, and was assigned to the 101st Airborne Division. So um, after eight years, I had some college money left over, and I decided to use it and attended the Minneapolis College of Art and Design up in Minnesota. So, yeah, that's uh, I, I became the first person in my family to earn a college degree, and it's in art just like I wanted it was just a long way around. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome, man. I mean, even though I'm Canadian, uh, appreciate your service. Thanks for your service and doing all of that. Uh, yeah, man. Um, so that kind of ties into my next question, which is what was your childhood like? And do you feel you had a creative childhood? Oh, yeah, yeah. So there's a couple funny stories. Um, actually, I'll, I'll tell you one story. Uh, my, my childhood was creative. Like I said, uh, I, was, I was always watching Dad draw uh, watching him and listening to him make music with his pals. And um, one night, my, my mom was having a dinner party, some friends over. Um, I think I must have been seven or eight, maybe. And I was drawing on some, some lined notebook paper. Mm -hmm. And I was obsessed with Star Wars. I mean, 
you know, I still kind of am. Yeah. Um, and I, I drew this, this Darth Vader. I drew a Darth Vader on the notebook. And, and I'm tugging on my mom's sleeves as she's saying bye to people out the door, you know. Mom, mom, look at this. Look at this drawing. She's like, honey, that's nice. That's really nice. No, no, look at the drawing. She's like, that's a really good tracing, honey. I was like, it's not tracing. She's like, we'll talk about this later. <laughs> so after, after the last guest leaves, uh, she sits me down at the table and she says, you know how I feel about lying. I said, mom, I'm not lying. I, I drew that. <laughs> so she pulls out another sheet of paper, puts it in front of me. She says, do it again. And I was probably about halfway done with it. And I looked over at her and she was sobbing. The tears were coming down her eyes. She wow. didn't believe. So it was that very next weekend, I was introduced to a, a woman named Ruth Gibble, who is an oil painter, was an oil painter in our area. I do believe she passed away, obviously. She was older, maybe 60 then. So, mm -hmm. um, but. I got signed up to do oil painting lessons. My mom didn't have very much money, but she spent some money for every Saturday to go spend three to four hours with Ruth Gibble, her small studio. So uh, that was that. I started doing some painting and I kept up with the drawing. And um, yeah, so I, I would say I had a creative childhood. <laughs> That's cool. So your first, your talent is revealed to your mom after her and her friends are knee deep in Mai Tais. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't know what they were drinking. Yeah. <laughs> That's a really cool story, man, how that came together. I like that. Yeah. So take us back to when you first started noticing design and art in the wild. And what did you what did you start seeing? What connection did you make? Um, you know, uh again, being exposed to music and, you know, things like the Dungeons and Dragons that my dad was drawing. Um mm -hmm. I really got into my dad's vinyl collection. He had all these, all these, you know, Alan Parsons project and, uh, you know, the journey record covers. And I, I started looking into the, the cover art on all this stuff. And at the same time, I was also getting into skateboarding um, and skateboarding for me, you know, this was back vision, vision streetwear was still a thing. Uh, you know, uh, I got my first skateboard, saved up my allowance, got my first skateboard. It was a Steve Caballero in like a snot green color with, uh, you know, hot pink bats all over it. Yes. I mean, at, at that point, I was like, I was really starting to pick up on design on things that really spoke to me. And, you know, skateboarding and music was, was definitely two of those veins that I ended up really paying a lot of attention to. So that's cool, man. What a cool story there. Snot green with pink bat. I love yeah, it. man, dude, it was awesome. I can I, visualize I, I, it. I love it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I'm what? Pink tape. <laughs> what is something that you wish you knew when you first started out? Oh man, one thing I wish I knew. Um, that I, I wish that I knew that not everything I do is going to be perfect. You know, mm -hmm. and, and 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 we as humans, I we always feel like we want everything to be perfect. Everything needs to be just so. You mm -hmm. know. And, you know, by the time I was in art school and realizing that 
hey, these are these are sketches. They don't need to be perfect. These these are just stepping stones. I really had to have that kind of like nailed into my head that because I do try to make everything perfect, like right off the bat. And it's still an issue today. I'll still draw something out and be like, oh, that shit sucks. My God. No, I got to redo that. That's crap. You know, mm-hmm. but um, I just started I started to get into this habit of just jotting stuff down on on post-its, man. Just, <laughs> Perfect. This is this is what I do. I, I just put notes down on, on post-its because otherwise, otherwise I'll forget. I'll forget, and I I won't come back to it. And you know that'll that'll just be it. Yeah. And and it doesn't have to be perfect. The idea just needs to be down, and That's I can cool. come back to it later. And that was really the thing that I wish I knew back when I was starting out. Mm-hmm. So then, what is? How do you get a project started? How do you get rolling? What's that first step that you make? Oh man, it's totally about the exploration. I mean, the the big questions: Why am I doing this? What is it about? Um, you know, even even for like personal projects, I still have to ask myself those same questions: Why am I doing this? Why is this important to me? Why do I even want to turn this into a thing? You yeah. know, yeah. Do, do I feel like it's going to resonate with people, or is it just for me? You know, what what is it? You know, and if it's just for me, is it worth the time to put into it? Yeah. I could go 50-50 on that. I don't know. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> but, but yeah, I, it, it always starts with pencil, paper. Um, I always write down ideas. Like I said, I, you know, my desk is always a scatter of tracing paper, post-it notes, um, you know, brush pens, pencils, uh, you name it, any kind of reference material, uh, books, whatever. It's all here, and I just kind of dive in. I put some music on, and after the exploration, especially if it's for a client, I learn a little bit more about them, and I'll pull some visuals from them, you know, mm-hmm. just like everybody else does, and try to align what I'm doing with with what they've already got, unless they've requested something completely different. But, you know, um, it, it's all about that exploration. you got to try to get everything um, – jiving you know yeah yeah because if it's not everything just feels disjointed and no one wants that so for sure that doesn't resonate but yeah but it always starts with the sketches sketches brushes uh, just some light work um you know I, i'm new to the ipad i've been experimenting with the ipad stuff so cool. uh, i'll throw some quick quick comms together on the ipad i find it useful for that um i don't find it very useful for you know final output stuff because it's it's uh it's raster based, so it's not you know infinitely scalable. Mm-hmm. It's not something to deliver to someone. Yeah, nothing vector there. Mm-mm. So, what's been the most influential design of your life so far? Influential. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it, uh, of mine or someone else's? Uh, it's the most influential design of your life, but it could be something that you've been a part of, or just something that you've seen and it's really stuck with you. Okay. Uh, well, then this is a great. This is a great time to tell you how I got into lettering and, um, you know, type design and stuff like that. I, when I was stationed in Japan, mm-hmm. um, I, I was able to watch a few artists over there uh, use their brush and ink to do some of their Japanese writing. And I kind of fell in love with what they were doing. Couldn't read any of it, but mm-hmm. the mark making was beautiful. So, you know, upon coming back to the U.S., I, I looked into – some years later, I looked into um, 
brushwork and picked up some some brushes of my own. Oh my god, it was terrible. It was it was <laughs> it, it was like it was like you know how to ride a bike, yet the wheels kept falling off. Yeah. And you know, you, you tried to get pedaling and nothing would ha- oh my gosh. So I, at that point I realized it, this is gonna take a lot of practice. This takes a lot of work. And at that point, I really realized that I needed to also learn proper letter anatomy. Mm-hmm. Honestly, that's a lot of people will just write and go into cursive or whatever, but they're not really paying attention to the letters themselves and how a letter is actually made. Mm-hmm. I think for me, that realization for me was um, was really a, a tipping point for those those Japanese artists were really the tipping point for me in planting that seed for my, my future interest. Right. Yeah. Um, and then of course, later on, I, at that same time, I was finding out about, you know, the Doyle Youngs in the world. And I, I fell in love with any kind of lettering, uh, whether it be, you know, flourish script lettering, whether it be brush script lettering, whether, whether it was sign painting casuals, you know, all that stuff. I just, and I went down that avenue. I went uh-huh. strictly down that avenue and sort of abandoned all my, um, you know, my screen printing days, making rock show posters and stuff like that. I kind of just went down that one avenue. So I would probably guess that that was my influential moment was seeing the Japanese artists and then coming back to the U.S. dabbling on my own and, you know, trying to make it something. That's a perfect example for your path, man. That's a great one. So do you ever run into creative blocks and how do you get past them? Uh, yes. Um, I think everybody runs into creative blocks, whether they like to admit it or not. Yeah. And, or whether they, whether or not they know they're in a creative block or not. Sometimes you don't know you are. Ooh, um, nice. I, sometimes I feel like I'm in a creative block when I'm not necessarily, I could still be cranking stuff out that could be used or could become something really great. And then there's other times where I literally just want to sit on my couch and binge watch Netflix because I don't feel like doing anything, yeah. you know, like yeah. I, nothing's coming to me. I don't feel like doing it. I don't want to look at anything, you know, like I feel like maybe our eyes and our brains get tired. Like they, it becomes fatigued of mm-hmm. constantly looking at really sexy shit all the time. You know, like you just, <laughs> you just look at great stuff all the time and, and it's almost like overload, you know? Yeah. Um, and sometimes I need to step away, take a break. Uh, it, it, if I'm working on a sketch and I still can't get it right, something's not coming, I'll have to step away, you know, go drink a 24 pack, come back. Uh, <laughs> I'm totally kidding, man. Nope, <laughs> Miller, hit the Miller. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, one, yeah, save yeah. one in the fridge because you have self control. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You got to keep one cold, man, just in case those emergencies. <laughs> But yeah, the, the, the blocks come, and one way I've I've found a way of getting around those is I get outside, take a walk, uh, hang out with some friends, uh, you know, put on some music. I'll go downstairs into my basement and play the drums, and I will play the drums and just let let some energy, flow, you know. Uh, and usually these things work. I can come back maybe the next day or or two days later and and be grinding again. Mm-hmm. So I like that. So has social media changed graphic design or the process of design? And do you think that it's beneficial or harmful? 
Uh, yes, I do believe it has changed the way we do things, and I do believe it's beneficial and harmful. Mm. Uh, I think it's both. Uh, I, th I think we get so wrapped up in what other people are going to think, even of our process. Mm -hmm. And to be honest, who really gives a shit? We, we, a lot of us do this things the same way, and all we're doing is showing people who already know what we're doing the same shit that they're already doing. So I'm like, a lot of times I'm like, okay, I could show you my process, but you already know what it is. You already yeah. do it. You already do it. Yeah. I mean, at this point, we're all just hanging out in the same spa together and, you know, looking over each other's shoulders and exchanging notes and, you know, copying each other. And, you know, like, I feel, I feel like, even, you know, social media with commenting, you know, if you post something that's sort of work in process, you know, you get the people who don't know the context of the project mm -hmm. that will pipe up and say something. And I don't know. I just feel like that's, if you don't know the context, um, then that's also on the artist that he, maybe they should provide some context, <laughs> but you know, so, so that people can make an informed comment or maybe it's just left for you to just absorb and not comment. Like, I don't know. A lot of times I won't say anything if I look at someone else's work. I just love it, yeah. and I can tell it's a work in progress. And not knowing the context, I'm not going to say anything. I just know that it already looks great. Or I'll spot things in it that I'm like, I already know this person, and they're probably going to address this later on, so I just won't say anything. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, I, I do feel like people can get so hung up in comments and what other people think. Um, and that, and that's the detrimental part. The good part is, is the community and the exposure that comes along with getting some work out there, getting it into some eyeballs, you know, mm -hmm. um, I feel like, I feel like that's really the good part. And, and, um, you know, I, I don't think anything bad can come from that kind of exposure. Good call. So. Yeah. Well said. So who is a designer or a brand that you look up, uh, look up to or closely follow? Mm. Uh, I mean, I don't know that I can say just any one person or brand. Um, I like a lot. Mm -hmm. um, I like I like a lot of simple things. Um, I like some complex things. Uh, you know, a, as a lettering and design artist, I I have a lot of fellow really great designer peers um, that I follow closely. Um, you know. The Ryan Hamricks in the world, Mark Canesso, Neil Secretario, um, you know, you know, Lost Type. Like these people, Mika Melvis. That, that, these people have all been influential in in my studies as as a lettering and type design person. Like I just the way that these people push boundaries mm -hmm. and you know what a letter form can be. Um, I think, I think that that's what I'm attracted to. Um, you know, <clears throat> I'm not, I'm not, I'm not the person who's really attracted to someone literally just writing in cursive and adding flowers to it. I'm, that's not me. My eye, those things are beautiful. And, but for me, that's not what I do. And that's not where I'm trying to take my skill, you know? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, so I don't think that, uh, I find any influence there. Um, it's more in the realm of, of taking letters a little bit higher and really fleshing out messages and brand within word marks, mm -hmm. if that makes sense. Yep, definitely does. So how can design make a difference in people's lives? 
Oh, man. Well, I mean, we've all heard this. Design can change people's perceptions. Mm-hmm. Um, it can change the way you think. It can change what you see. Um, you know, case in point, you know how many conversations I've had with people who aren't in design who come up to me and they say, hey, yeah, you know the FedEx logo? It's got a little arrow in there. Did you ever notice that? <laughs> I'm like, yeah. See, now you're looking at something differently. Now you're looking for things like that because someone was clever enough to put it in there or it was a happy accident that they decided to run with. So, um, you know, yes, I do think it can change the way people look and look at things and see things and, you know, even evaluate their own life. Um, I think that uh, design can can be socially good. That's not to say I'm not tired. I, I'm pretty tired of design always having to have a goddamn purpose. Yes. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, it doesn't have to have a purpose. Can't something just be beautiful just to be freaking beautiful? Mm-hmm. Can't it? Can't it? Does it always have to have an ulterior motive, a purpose? Like, I get it. There are designs out there that do have those, you know, it's got social meaning behind it or it's working for some kind of social justice and but, you know, sometimes I just want to make a beautiful thing. Yeah. That's that's not for anything. And can't we still do that? I get tired of, you know, people thinking good good design is good design with a purpose. Good design to me is good design, yeah. period. That's the argument. Whether it's got a purpose or not. So, yeah. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> <laughs> so then how do you gauge if your designs are resonating with their intended audience? Um, I, I like to get the feedback. Um, if it's resonating, um, I'll usually hear about it either through email or social media or, or through a paycheck. (laughs) Exactly. Things work well, you get paid this time. (laughs) The work's good. They're paying me for it. Right. So, (laughs) um, yeah, I, I do think, I do think that if something's resonating, we're going to hear about it. Um, I, if it's not resonating, I find that in my personal experience, if it's not resonating, it's, there's not a lot of chatter, you know, Mm. Uh, the more chatter there is, the more that people are really uh, feeling what's being presented visually, Um, uh, whether, whether there's a story behind it or not. Um, Look, Sex sells, right? Mm-hmm. You 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 put something in front of someone and it's sexy as hell, and their eyes are going to glaze over and going to be like, ah, oh, right? Yeah. That happens to everyone. We're all human. You know something beautiful when you see it. Mm-hmm. You also know when something's jank when you see it. You look at something and be like, that's whack. There's something wrong with that. I'm not feeling it. Mm-hmm. We know that. So getting someone's feedback on that stuff, like you know, it's almost like when you buy a house, right? You know the house as soon as you walk in, within the first five seconds, right? You know the house that you're going to buy within the first five seconds. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like design. You know <laughs> just in the first glance that you're like, oh, wow, that's sexy as hell. Look at that. I don't even know what it's for, but I like it, you know? Yeah. So, um, you know, as long as that feedback's coming back, that's how I know. Uh, if, if we can get people talking about it and get that feedback, that's the important part for me. I like it. That's how I know I'm on the right path. Mm-hmm. 
So I want to go back to a design or project that you were a part of that did not go well or bring the desired result. I want to know what that felt like and, and what that was like. Okay, I'll, I'll use an early – this was maybe two years ago. Um, I'll use an early version here. There, there was a, a client that contacted me from Australia, uh-huh. and they, they – starting up a street brand like – 250 million people around the world and um they wanted a single word and i laid out the price for them you know and here's the contract you you pay this much up front blah blah and they paid up front and then i guess the work wasn't happening fast enough but i also did probably you know 11 by 17 sheets of paper Mm -hmm. probably about 100 of those okay in in brushings and sketchings and just loose work to try to get down exactly what they're going for. And I narrowed it down to what I thought was going to work, showed it to them. Nah, nah, nah. The E needs to be more like this. You make it more like that. Nah, not feeling it now. Okay, well, here's the whole spread of everything I did. Can you identify anything out of this that you like? No, I'm not really feeling any of this. Like, I feel like we're not we're not there. And this person supplied me <laughs> first email with styles that existed before, some pieces that existed before that they were going after. And I modeled all this stuff. At, you know, this person uh, basically was going to uh, ask for his money back, and I said, "You don't get the money back, dude. That, that's why it was a deposit because I've already done some work for you, and I don't work for free." Mm-hmm. And this person, this person eventually just, he, he backed off and then I killed the job. I was like, we're not, we're not doing this. So, um, you know, it, 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 sometimes clients don't know what they're looking for. Mm-hmm. Um, and when they don't know what they want, it makes it a lot tougher to try to figure that out, you know? Mm-hmm. And, and then I realized that I'll never do that again. That was a waste of time, waste of paper. You know, you need to nail down exactly what you're looking for. And I will supply you with with some great looking options. Mm-hmm. But you need to know what you're looking for. And I'm because I'm not gonna just endlessly go down a rabbit hole yeah. with um with with what this can look like. Uh, because now your price is just gonna quadruple. Yeah. Because no you're kidding. wasting time. It's all you're wasting your time, you're wasting my time. So um, but yeah, I ended up having to kill that job and I won't take any more like that. So mm-hmm. so then on the other side, what's a project that you've been a part of that you were the most proud of or the one that makes your heart sing? The one like big design feather in your cap? Oh, big design feather. Um, uh, I was uh, – there's a couple. Um, I did some, some bigger work for Hershey, um, but I – the one I really like is – uh, I got to be a part of the cover for Entertainment Weekly when Prince died. So um, that was actually kind of a heart melter for me because when I was playing in bands in Minneapolis, I got to play at Prince's club called Quest. Oh, cool. And, uh, and, you know, our band got to play there. And it was like, it's like this bittersweet thing, you know. And even on the inside of the cover, uh, you know, Prince was from Minneapolis. And it, it, even on the inside of the cover it had a, a photo of Prince out on one of the streets of Minneapolis. And it was just, 
having my name like printed above him, I was like, oh my god, this is like awesome. This is like the best thing ever, you know. Yeah. So um, I don't know. I I feel like that might have been might have been one of them. Very cool. We'll see. Hopefully, many more to come. Yeah, you and Prince are probably pretty tight, right? Oh yeah, yeah, right, right. right. <laughs> we hung out all the time. Yeah, so, he knew exactly who I was. Perfect. <laughs> so, so, what piece of advice would you offer to a new design grad looking to make their mark in the industry? Um, I'll say this before, and I'll say it again. Um, looking to make your mark. And I, I teach at two schools. I teach lettering at two schools. Um, I teach down at the Maryland Institute College of Art, MICA, in mm-hmm. Baltimore. And I also teach at the Pennsylvania College of Art and Design, PCAD, in Lancaster, Pennsylvania. Um, and I always tell my students that identify your, your, your work habits now mm-hmm. um, because you're not going to change that. What, how you conduct yourself now in school is exactly how you'll conduct yourself outside of school. If you're the procrastinator type or the, the person who skips class, that will continue unless you make a change now. Yeah. Trust me. I've seen it. I've seen it. I've seen it. Um, the other thing is, you know, don't take yourself too seriously, but take your work seriously. Mm-hmm. Your work is the only voice you have. Yeah. No one gives a shit about who you actually are. When you're getting out in the world, they want to see what you're capable of doing. Um, so you have to you have to take your work seriously. Set that portfolio up. Get mm-hmm. that website. Make yourself a logo. And you know, don't be handing me a business card with your logo in freaking Helvetica, dude. You're just like everyone else. Don't be giving me that shit because I'm gonna be like, yeah. Oh, you like Helvetica? So does Target. Um. So I I just. I want people to really take what they do seriously and present that in a serious manner, even if your stuff is in jest, you know, um, but present that you are a professional and your work is clean and you know what the hell you're doing, mm-hmm. um, you know, and, and, and build that body of work because that's ultimately your voice. If you're sending out cold emails to try to get work, guess what? They're going to skim over your message and if you've attached a portfolio PDF or a link to your website, that's what's going to speak to them. Mm-hmm. If the work's not there or it's not being taken seriously, they're not going to take you seriously. Yep. So that's my advice. Well said. What is one design product, tool, website, or even a community that you just could not live without? Oh, man. Without a doubt. Uh, pencils, Tompos, and Adobe Illustrator. <laughs> awesome. That's that's that, those that's my bread and butter right there. Uh, Adobe Illustrator. I'm in this Illustrator every day, um, and it's funny because Illustrator and I didn't get along back in college. We yeah. were not on working terms. <laughs> you know, the college the college doesn't teach you how to use the software. That's up to you. Yeah, the college is teaching you design philosophy, aesthetics, things like that. They're not teaching you the design programs. Um, there are some workshops here and there, or some like little half credit classes, but Nothing that's really like in depth. Um, so Adobe Illustrator, hands down, is one of my go-tos. Um, everything I do is vectorized for final output. So there you have it. Perfect. Right to the point. That's awesome. Jeremy, that's the last question I got for you. Just hang on the line for a second. But I wanted to first say 
Thank you very much for being on the show. It was great having you. Yeah, man. Thank you. I really appreciate it. Awesome. Loved hearing from you. Loved hearing your perspective. And uh, I'll let you back for the rest of the day. Yeah, man. Thank you. All right. This is Dave, your host, back in again. Really hope you enjoyed hearing from Jeremy Friend. Uh, He's just, I I love it. I love this interview. Super fun. Uh, Be sure to check him out at Jeremy Friend, just like Jeremy Friend, you and I are friends, friends. Jeremy Friend on Instagram. He posts some wicked work. Check it out. Take care.